I want to just take, if you turn with me to the book of Revelation, I'm going to speak briefly this evening, it's a warm evening, and I'm finishing something that I have been sharing for a number of weeks while I've been speaking here in the life of our church. In a a few months' time, after the summer break, I'm going to be doing um, a short series on future events. I don't know if you've heard of something, but it's been predicted that the world will end in 2012. It's, It's this Mayan prophecy thing. I don't know whether you heard anything about it, but we got the Olympics in 2012, so it can't. We spent, the country spent so much money, it can't, right? So we've got the Olympics in 2012. But there's something called the Mayan Prophecy, and it says that the world will end in 2012. And there's a lot of furore, and in the United States, and even recently there was someone that was prophesying, he calculated everything, he said the world's coming to an end. It's not. It won't end until God says so. And even Jesus said that. Only the Father knows. So we know that. But I want to take up a short series in the next, um, it'll be at the end of the summer break and into the, uh, coming into sort of the September period. And um, look at what are the events? Where is all this going? What about the world? What about you and I? What happens? Where are we going in life? And uh, you don't hear quite as much on it maybe these days. And so I'm going to take a, a short series on that theme. And then practically, what is my response? And how can I live my Christian life with the sure knowledge that there will come a conclusion to everything that's around me? But what can I do about that in my life? And what can I do with my life that, that, that God has given me now here on this earth? And it, it has an amazing um, conclusion to our lives and, and purpose in our lives. And that's where we should be looking and what we're going to be looking at. So it, I won't be predicting any times or events. I'm not going to give you a time and, or anything like that. I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of, of uh, the, in, the minutia of Bible prophecy. But I'm going to look at what the New Testament shows us about the future and of the Lord Jesus soon return and what does that mean on how we can live our lives and what about the church and what about what's going on in the world and where is this all going and where is this taking us and it embraces the return of Jesus Christ and how we can then live our lives with not be frightened or worried and can live in such a way that it changes the world around you and me. So I'm excited about that and we're going to look at that in um, a month, a couple of months time. So just look out for that and it'll be coming up soon. So finishing tonight, I'm looking at a series that I've called Jesus in the Midst and tonight I'm finishing that series. And what I want to speak about just for a few minutes, a few moments, is um, having a hearing heart. If we're to know the presence of God in our lives, if we're to know the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ with us and amongst us and in your life and in your work and in your family and in our homes, in the midst of our church, in our community, then we need to have a hearing heart. And that's where I'm going to go just for a few moments and then we're going to come and pray together. Um, We've been looking at the book of Revelation, the first few chapters, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and looking at the churches in the book of Revelation. They're a group of churches now situated on the coast of Woodby, on the coast of modern-day Turkey today, a place called Asia Minor, and it's a place where people jet set off for their holidays, etc., etc. And we've been looking at the challenges of those churches and how those churches faced um, the challenges of their day and the worries and concerns that they had at the time when uh, John was on the Isle of Patmos and he wrote to them. And uh, we, we've been looking at that and going through that, so suffice to say. But tonight, I just want to round that all up, as it were, and bring it to a conclusion and with a bit of a summary on how we may know the presence of God in our lives. If we look at verse 13 of chapter 1, it sums it all up for me. 
Verse 13 of chapter 1 in the book of Revelation, John has this picture of Jesus, a vision of Jesus. And in verse 13 he says this, And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Amongst the lampstands was one like the Son of Man. Another translation says, in the midst of the lampstands was one like the Son of Man. And the lampstands, we've been looking at this, stand for the seven different churches at that time. And so basically what we have is a picture of John sees Jesus in the midst of his churches. And these were churches that were being shaken by persecution, were being shaken by worry. The Emperor Diocletian at that time was on a worldwide purge of the church and killing Christians. And so John has a picture amongst the lampstands that stands for a picture amongst the churches. Jesus is standing in the midst, in the middle of us. And Jesus, it shows us, wants to be in your life in our marriages, in our homes, and in the midst of our church. He makes all the difference. And my point is this, that God makes the difference when he's in the midst. Otherwise, it's just another club, and we're just another group of people having a nice time together, and we're even singing some songs. Singing songs, that's that's all it could be, even if it's happy birthday. It would be like that, wouldn't it? But what makes a difference? The difference is this, that when Jesus Christ is in the midst, when he's amongst us, that makes all the difference. I heard it say that you and God are a majority. If it's little old me, it was something quite humbling to be in India and speak with pastors, lady pastors and, and men pastors um, in a pastor's conference. And some of these pastors go back to, have to go back to a village where they are persecuted. And they're probably one of the only Christians in a a village of Hindus, and most of the village is Hindu. And we were speaking about how what you and God are a majority, and you can make a difference. And they were saying that in our country, there are millions of Hindu gods. And as a Christian, I'm a, I, they feel oppressed by all the millions of Hindu gods. Hinduism is against them, and it's not so pacifist. It's not pacifist, actually. It's quite militant against Christianity. And we were talking about how you and God are a majority. If God is with you, who can be against you? God is for us. And this is the key. The key to knowing um, the hand of God in us is knowing Jesus in your life. Him being in the midst of his church, amongst us. Knowing his presence. Because he makes all the difference. And this is what we want. Otherwise, we're just like any other club. And this was the key. And this is what God wanted to John to see. And for John to share with those churches that were in trouble and worried. And people were persecuted. And they were concerned about their lives, their livelihoods, marriages, homes, families. There was political crisis, financial trouble. All these sort of things that we almost begin to face in our own uh, uh, age. And John saw that Jesus said, I'm amongst you. I'm in the midst of you. And if I'm in the midst of you, I'll hold your arms. I'll be with you. I'll stand with you. You need to know, and you and I need to know the hand of God in and on our lives and families, our homes, our church. And I don't take it for granted that he's amongst us. I've got to keep, the Bible says in, in the um, book of Galatians, keep in step. In other words, I've got to keep up with God got to keep in step with the spirit it's frightening in the western church where many churches are falling behind or falling away or falling to the left or falling to the right do you know even in pentecostal charismatic churches 
we can park up and stay at a certain place. Just like the disciples said, shall we not build some booths? Because the presence of God is here. And Jesus said, no, you don't do that. But you know what? Even charismatics can build booths. Booths were like little huts. If you're not wondering, what's he on about? The disciples had a vision, and Jesus had a vision. It was this amazing vision. And so they said, should we not build like a little altar, a little, a little shack, a little place to stay because God is here? And you know, we can do that as Pentecostals and charismatics. We can even build upon certain experiences of God, certain teachings of God. And it's almost as if we've parked up with that. And God moves forward and moves on. For the kingdom of God is advancing, continually advancing. So we need to know, I'm laboring the point a little and I shall move on now. But we, you and I, I need to know, I need to know God today. We need to know him now. He's the God of yesterday, today and forever. That's what makes God, God. And um, there's something of yesterday, there's something of tomorrow. And I, boy, do I need to know him today. You and I, I live, I'm living here in the here and now, and so I des- desperately need to know him today. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow. But my f- tomorrow is anchored in my today. And if I'm knowing him fresh today, he can take me tomorrow. But if I've parked up today, the future does not look bright. I tell you what, it doesn't look orange. You know, the future's bright, the future's orange. It won't look orange. If you've parked up, if we've parked up, and our today isn't fresh, then we don't have a future. And boy, that's why you and I, I need to know God today. And so, it says that Jesus was in the midst. Do you know he wants to be in your life, my life, my family, my home, our church, your heart, your concerns, your plans, my plans. He wants to be. In the midst. And that's the good news. He is no respecter of persons. He loves you so very much and wants to be in the midst of your life. So the key to knowing him in the midst, two things. A hearing heart. Two things that I want to look at very quickly. If we're to know Jesus in the midst, if we're to know the presence of God, if we're to know him today, if we're to have our today secure, fresh, to know the now moment of God today, if we're to know that, then we need to have... Two things, a hearing heart. First of all, hearing. Time and time again, Jesus said to the churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. You have a look at it for yourself. I won't labor the point, but if you look at each, to each church, at the end of each little section, it will say, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. It's, so it's something very important, obviously, to hear God for yourself, isn't it? That's what it says to me. I need to hear him. Hear what the Spirit says. Do you know there are lots of voices today? There are so many voices. There's for the Christian, there's the word the voice of the world, the flesh, and of the devil, and then there's the voice of the spirit. There's lots of voices. You know, you turn on, you know, with a radio, there are lots of radio channels out there. Satellite. There are now loads of satellite channels. They reckon in space, the 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 unit, the, the, not the universe, but the um, space around the Earth is full of junk. If you look at satellite pictures, it's frightening. Actually, it's pretty junky up there. I've not been up there, but if you look at satellite pictures, because there's loads of satellites and loads of debris, but all these satellites are beaming this and beaming that, and 
there are so many things that we're listening into today. But you know, there's so many voices vying for your attention and my attention. It's bewildering, but we take it in our stride because we've become used to it. We've now soaked up so much advertising, so much stuff off TV, so much stuff off YouTube, internet, Facebook, you name it. We've been inundated, you know, um, on satellite channel, radio, on your phone, in your face, on a billboard, you, you name it. We've now soaked up so much. We are hearing and processing so much. It's just so many voices coming on for your attention. But do you know what it says there? He who has an ear, let him what? Hear what the Spirit says, the Holy Spirit. There's an important voice to hear. And so there's the voice of the world, the age in which we live. Do you know, many of us as Christians, how, if I had a pound for every time, you know, sometimes as Christians we can mistake the voice of the world for the voice of God. It's okay to live like that. It's okay to act like that. It's okay to have that attitude. It's okay to act in like that in that relationship. It's okay... Uh, um, to, um, to have a sexual relationship before marriage. The voice of the world. There is so much out around us now, there's the voice of the world. And if we don't watch it, we'll mistake the voice of the world with, it's okay. The Bible says, it's okay. So there's the voice of the world. There's the voice of the flesh. That's me, my human nature. And so there's my own human nature crying out to me, me, my, and I, what I like to do. The things that I crave, the me, my, and I in me. And there's the human nature. And so sometimes people say, well, it feels all right. It must be God. I've met lots of Christians that have said that. I'm not harming anybody. It feels okay. Not everything. I mean, obviously, God wants us to feel good about our Christian walk. He does. So it's okay to feel good about your Christian walk. But not everything that we feel good about is necessarily okay. A burglar will say to you, I feel pretty good. Because at least I've got what I've broken into the house for. But it's not a good thing. I mean, it's a, it might be a bit of a, 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 an over-the-top um, illustration. And I've been, been a bit, bit silly with it. But I'm trying to make a point. You know, not everything that we feel is okay is okay. You've got to watch what's in here. Not worry about it. But I've met a lot of Christians that will say, God has said. I've had too much blueberry cheese. Or... We can mistake the voice of the flesh and the voice of the world. And then there's the third one. There's the voice of the devil. I don't mean to say that the devil actually maybe says it could be you. I'm not talking like that. But there is what the Bible talks about, deceiving spirits, religious spirits, deceiving spirits in, upon the earth today. And some of the laws that are made are based on deceiving, deceptive spirits. Because the devil says, hath God said Will that really happen? So it's the voice of the world, the flesh, the devil. So there's these voices. And then, you know, my human spirit, my human nature. Do you know, have you ever sat down with some people and someone said something and then um, you've, been, and you've been listening, you've been talking together and then you've, you've all sort of sat together and um, you've been relaying what that person has said. And three or four people, it's as if you've heard a different person, each one of you. Have you ever had that experience? You've sat down and spoken to someone. What did they say about such and such? And so and so will say that. So and so will say this. And another person will sort of agree with a bit of everything. And you think, well, how on earth could that one person have spoken to three different people and they've all picked up something different? Why? Because we filter what we hear through what we want to hear, what we don't want to hear, what we're used to, and what we're not used to. And it's not so simple. So when we hear stuff... 
We have our own filters. I want to say this to you. As a Christian, sometimes we say, the Holy Spirit has said this, or the Holy Spirit will not allow that. And sometimes it's come through our own human filter. This is, and I tell you what, the amount of times, I've got to be careful of that myself. What I call my preferences, what I prefer, it's my filter. And so my human, my mind, my thinking, my preferences, was, I don't like this, or I do like that. And so I'll accept this and I won't accept that. It's a filter. And so you and I will have a human filter that, that we've grown up with, our likes and dislikes. We just have to be aware of that. I'm not saying it's wrong, but be aware of it. Voice of the world the voice of my flesh, the voice of the devil, the voice of the spirit then. If you take all that into account, we need to be open to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it says there, listen, in the, in the, I've said this before, in the message it says, listen to the wind words of the spirit. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says, as it says in the NIV. In the message it says, listen to the wind words of the spirit. In other words, fresh, now. Deal with the filters, your preferences. Deal with the voice of your own likes and dislikes, your flesh. Deal with the voice of the world that says it's okay or not okay. And deal with the deceiving voice of the God of this age, the devil. All these things are vying. So it says, listen, listen for the voice of the Spirit. Do you know, it's very interesting. Elijah heard God speak to him, not in thunder, not in an earthquake, but it says in the Bible, so he stood out and it was a gentle whisper and Elijah was a man who was used to God answering by fire he knew the Old Testament God shook the heavens isn't it amazing Elijah was a man of the spirit he heard the spirit the spirit does what he wants to do Elijah was a man I've spoken I've talked about this Elijah was good at fire he, he did fire well he called down fire from heaven, fire fell, it burned up all the, uh, and, and he had led a revival. So he knew about the fire of God, but he didn't build a little altar at the fire of God only. He kept his heart open because one day God didn't answer by fire. He didn't answer in an earthquake. He whispered to him. I think that says something to you. But that's what it means to listen to the spirit, to be ready for something to surprise you. I'll be ready to be, am I ready, to, I ask myself, am I ready to be surprised? I'm not, as that shocked you, because I'm a human being, and I don't think half of us are ready either. But if I can get ready, if I can begin to get my heart ready, I'm in a position to hear what the Spirit has to say today, for your life, in your marriage, your home, your family, work, now, the answers that you need now, your future, your prospects. Jonah, a man called Jonah, when God said to him, I want you to go to Nineveh and speak to them. And Jonah thought, I'm not going to go there. They'll, they'll beat me up. The Ninevites were very well-known people who um, didn't just beat you up. They butchered people. They were very renowned for being very barbaric. So Jonah didn't want to go there because he thought the Ninevites would kill him. Um, but not only that, Jonah thought, if I do go there, they'll all turn to God. And they don't deserve it because they're barbaric. So he said, I'm not going to do it. So he ran in the opposite direction. But God brought him back to go and speak to the Ninevites. The voice of God. Sometimes the things that we do aren't the things that we want to do. That's a bit of a tongue twister, I know. But it's not... A, 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 yeah. The things we do aren't always the things that we want to do or think that God's calling us. Are you ready to be surprised? Peter, 
Finally, Peter was speaking one day in the book of Acts to a group of Gentiles. These are people who aren't Jews, in other words. At that time, he was a Jew, and they mixed and spoke only to Jews. And on this day, he was speaking to a group of Gentiles. These are people he shouldn't really be near, because Jews were told, you don't go and mix with Gentiles, you keep away from them. So he was doing an amazing thing, but he went amongst them, and an amazing thing happened. While he was in mid-sentence, the Holy Spirit fell upon these people. Up to that point, it was for the chosen, the Jews. Boy, was he amazed. But he was a man of the Spirit. He listened to the Spirit and said, this is the work of God. And then you and I are here today because these guys like Peter and Paul moved not only from Jews, but they mixed with the Gentile world. And we've been swept into the kingdom today because of them. Wow, if they had turned their backs and not listened to the Spirit, we might not be sitting here today. The church may not have grown and become the worldwide movement that it is today, but only a little sect amongst a few Jews in, in Palestine perhaps. But they had the courage to listen to the Spirit. Amazing things happen if we'll listen to the Spirit. And I'm not saying, it's spooky. It's not spooky. I'm not talking about being spooky and weird. But just being open. Listen. Here. So that's the first thing. Second thing is the heart. So Be ready to be surprised. The heart, it's been said, open the heart. In uh, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, it says that I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens, I will come in to be with them and they with me and we will eat together. Most Bible commentators say in Revelation 3.20, that's the door is your heart. So God wants an open heart. So the first thing, he wants us to have open ears to hear. Second, final thing, an open heart. It's been said that the heart of the human problem is a problem of the heart. The heart of the human problem is a problem of the heart. We're being told we need more education and more information. If we have more information, we will have a transformation. There's a degree of truth in that, I believe. In other words, if you give more information to people, they'll have better choices and the world will be a better place. Well, there is a degree of truth in that. So we do need... But it's not just head. The heart of the human problem is a problem of the heart. And we need our hearts changed and touched, as well as our heads informed. And uh, open heart, then, is the second thing to knowing the presence of God. The Bible says, guard your heart. It's a wellspring of life. book of Proverbs speaks about the heart again and again. Have a look at the book of Proverbs and look at the heart. And do a little study about your heart. It's amazing. It says, guard your heart. Keep a watch on your heart. It's a wellspring of life. And in the East, the heart was understood to be the very center of your being. In the modern world in which we now live, it's all about the brain. We're cerebral, mental. It's more about um, understanding. But in the East, it was more about your heart, where you were. And so the Proverbs is all about the spirit, the heart. And in an uh, Eastern view, the Christian view is that the heart is the center of your life. In actual fact, medically... I need, the old, well, I need, I need all, all the organs of the body, but the heart is very important, isn't it? In, in the center of the, the, the pump around your whole life. And uh, the heart, spiritually speaking, is an important, very central place to our hearts and our lives. You know, the heart can be locked. I have found it to be closed, but Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. In other words, I want it to be open. But the fact that he says in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock, means that he finds it closed from time to time. Interesting, in the book of Revelation, he's speaking to churches and a church. And so he's speaking to Christians. And he says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. He's speaking to Christians who've got hearts that are closed. 
How can your heart sometimes be closed? You need your heart to be opened, said Jesus, if you're going to know my presence. We need to hear him and have an open heart then. And so the heart needs to be opened. I found a number of things that lock the heart, that close the heart. This is not a definitive list, but I'm going to give you three things. Number one, when we're hurt. Number two, when we become hardened. Number three, when we're hurried. Hurt, hardened, hurried, heart. That's easy to remember, isn't it? You won't forget that one in a hurry. Hurt, hardened, hurried, heart. It can be locked. When we're hurt, you know, it says sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. It's not true. I know sticks and stones do hurt you, but words, words live on and can actually touch the way a person feels about themselves and about others. The heart. When you've been hurt, someone's hurt you, someone's done something to you, said something to you, something's happened to you, it can stay on the heart. It can weigh your heart down. You can be heartbroken. We, people talk about being heartbroken. Weighed down in heart. Overwhelmed. We can feel overwhelmed in our hearts. So the heart is ever so important. The way we think and feel. And so hurt can lock the heart. That's the first one. Number two, moving on quickly. Hardened. When the heart becomes hard. When we're hurt, we need to defend ourselves. And so we stand back and push people back. Or push circumstance back. We might get upset about something. So, we, so I've, I've known people who say, never going to cry again. I'll never trust them again. Uh, I've, I, I remember, not here, this is in Scotland, so you don't have to think there's anyone here. But I never forget speaking to a lady that said, I will never trust a man again. This is someone that has been hurt terribly by their husband in Scotland many, many years ago. And this person was locked. They were locked. But God touched their heart in the most wonderful way, and they were healed later on. It was incredible to see. But anyway, hurt can harden the heart. We become locked. We don't let anyone in. We don't let anyone near. And if we don't let anyone near, we don't let God near. Hurt and hard. Uh, Forgiveness is a key to loosing the heart. And hurried, finally hurried. When we're very, very busy. When we've got a lot on. When there's a lot happening. I've got many things to do. I haven't got much time left. We live in a world where there's hurry, hurry, hurry. Do you know, some years ago... You can tell, I suppose, what sadder that I am sometimes. I read a book about, oh, I'm old right now. Okay, 20 years ago. So if some of you are looking a bit glazed eyes now, you're thinking 20 years ago. Some of you weren't even around 20 years ago. I do realize that now. But 20 years ago, I read a book, and it was all about the future and technology and about how much leisure time we were going to have and that computers and everything was going to take up and do all the work for us, and we would be able to live life and have so much time on our hands and have leisure. Lots of leisure time. It hasn't worked out like that. I remember reading at the time, I thought, this sounds a bit too good to be true. And it's worked out that there isn't so much leisure time. Well, there's leisure time, but we seem to be hurried and there's more stuff to do. Isn't there? Hurried. A hurried heart. No time to rest. No time to stop. No time to talk. No time to think. And even in church, lots of Christians haven't got much time. With social networking, no one talks to each other anymore. Well, they do. I know they do. We do talk to each other. But there's something where people can't hold a conversation. They're actually saying now, with the move of modern technology, the internet and social networking, and the way that it's going to go with social networking, things like Twitter now overtaking Facebook, and then what will be the next best thing that will come out after that, whatever that will be. 
that we're having been able to less and less hold a conversation and have eye contact. People still are, but we're becoming wired up to work quickly on our own, in front of a screen, clicking on this, clicking on a few photos, answering, putting up my status, answering something else, having a look at my mobile phone, and you, know, uh, and you name it, and we're quick, 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 hurried. Rather than sit down, have a cup of tea, and uh, have a chat, and look at, and gaze into someone's eyes. We don't want to do that now. I don't know how I've said that. We don't want to look at each other, do we? And just not say anything for half an hour and then talk about something and read the paper. We don't live like that. We're hurry, 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 hurried hearts. Hurried hearts are very, very counterproductive. They're lockers. So our hearts need to be opened. With this, I close. What's the key to opening our heart? Humility. Humility is the key to unlocking the heart. Those three things I've just said lock the heart. Humility unlocks the heart. What is humility? Humility doesn't mean that I'm nothing. What it does mean is God is everything. If you're humble, you don't have to say, I'm a filthy, I'm no good, I'm a worm, I'm the worm of all worms. In actual fact, I'm the worm of all worms, I'm worm, worm, full of worms. Whatever that means. I don't even know myself. But I am the lowest. People think that's humility. It's not the case. Humility, in actual fact, it means that not that I'm nothing, but God is everything. I, John the Baptist said of Jesus, when he heard that Jesus was increasing in influence, he said, he must increase, I must decrease. In other words, when John the Baptist heard that Jesus was becoming influential in the world at that time, he said to these disciples, don't worry, he must increase, I must decrease. And there's some truth for our lives. Humility is God increasing, him becoming everything. That doesn't mean to say I become a religious nutcase and freak and never venture out the house and talk to anybody. I'm still me, I still talk to people. But God becomes my motivating principle in my life and person more and more. I live more and more for him. And the amazing thing is, he gives more and more back to me. And I become a more free and real person That's the amazing thing. If I live for God and give everything to him, he does something amazing. He then comes to me and says, I'm giving it all back to you, but even more. I become a more liberated person. We think if I keep everything for me, if I keep everything on batten down the hatch and keep it for me, I'll be a free person. In actual fact, look at me. I'm keeping everything for me. I'm holding everything to myself and I become all locked up. But if I give my heart and life to God more the more, he gives all the more back and I become liberated and free. Make God increasingly bigger than the me, I, in I, in me. Make God increasingly bigger than the me, I, and in me. That's humility. And that will open up our hearts. So the key to knowing the presence of God, and we need his hand upon our lives, is a hearing heart. It's as simple as that. So you won't have to go and watch the God channel now. Straight from, right, nothing wrong with the God channel, by the way. It's as simple as that, a hearing heart. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are an incredible, amazing God. You're a Father in heaven, but you're not so distant and far removed that you don't care about us. You are here right now. It's amazing. It's where I'm sitting. It's where I'm at today. If I'm happy or sad if I'm really feeling as a Christian that I'm going somewhere, if I'm feeling as a Christian lousy, you're here. You will be to me all that I need right now. You are the most amazing God. You are able to be for me and to me what I need right now.
You can empathize. You, you feel what I feel. You know what I need. You know what I know. And I'm amazed at that, dear God. And so right now, I open up and we open up our hearts to you and our ears, spiritual ears to you too. And as a church, Lord, we're opening up our hearts and we're opening up our ears. In the spiritual atmosphere, as our church, we just want to know you in the midst, right in the middle of us. And so I open up my ears and I open up my heart. Lord, I pray for people that are worried tonight, thinking about the future, thinking about decisions perhaps, not sure on which way to take, some thinking about, you know, where to go, what to do. Others of us dealing with things that are worrying us. Maybe the news that we've had at work, a challenge at work perhaps. Maybe difficulty in family life. And so right now we just say, we're opening up our hearts to you and our ears to hear what you have to say into our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Hearing hearts so that we know your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen.